0: Chapter 47 Baba's Reminiscences Story of Badrappa and Chenbasappa, Snake and Frog The last chapter described Baba's reminiscences about two goats. This chapter describes more such reminiscences and relates the story of Badrappa and Chenbasappa. Preliminary Blessed is the face of Sai. If we cast a glance at him for a moment. He destroys the sorrow of many past births and confers great bliss on us. And if he looks at us with grace, our bondage of karma is immediately snapped away and we are led to happiness. The river Ganges washes away the dirt and sins of all people who go to her for a bath. But she intently longs for the saints to come to her and bless her with the touch of their feet and remove all the filth accumulated in her. She knows for certain that this can only be removed by the holy feet of the saints. Sai is the crest jewel of the saints and now hear from him the following purifying story. THE SNAKE AND THE FROG Sai Baba said, One morning, after taking my breakfast, I strolled along till I came to a small river bank. As I was tired, I rested there, washed my hands and feet and had a bath and felt refreshed. There was a footpath and a car track, sheltered by shady trees. The breeze was also blowing gently. As I was preparing to smoke chalim, I heard the croaking of a frog. I was striking the flint and lighting the fire when a traveller turned up, sat by my side bowed down to me and politely invited me to his house for meals and rest. He lit up the pipe and handed it over to me. The croaking was heard again and he wanted to know what it was. I told him that a frog was in trouble and was tasting the bitter fruit of its own karma. We have to reap now the fruit of what we sow in our past life. And there is no use crying about it now. Then he smoked and handed over the pipe to me and said that he would go there in person and see for himself. I told him that a frog was caught by a big snake and was crying. Both were very wicked in their past life and were now reaping the fruit of their past actions in the present bodies. He went and found that a huge black serpent was holding a big frog in its mouth. He returned to me and said that in about 10 or 12 minutes the frog would be eaten up by the snake. I said, No, this can't be. I am its father and I am here now. How shall I allow the snake to eat it up? Am I here for nothing? Just see how I release it. After smoking again, we walked up to the place. He was afraid and asked me not to proceed further, as the snake might attack us. Not minding him, I went ahead and addressed the creatures thus. O Veera Badrabha, has not your enemy Basappa yet repented? Though he has been born as a frog, and you too though born as a serpent, still hold bitter enmity against him? Be ashamed of yourself. Give up your hatred now and rest in peace." On hearing these words, the snake left the frog quickly and dived into the river and disappeared. The frog also jumped away and hid itself in the bushes. The traveler was much surprised. He said that he could not understand how the snake dropped the frog and disappeared on hearing the words who was Veerabadrappa and who was Basappa and what was the cause of their enmity I returned with him to the foot of the tree and after sharing again a few puffs of smoke with him I explained the whole mystery to him as follows There was an ancient holy place sanctified by a temple of Mahadev, about 4 or 5 miles from my place the temple was old and dilapidated, the residents of the place collected funds for its repairs. After a large amount was collected, arrangement for worship was made and plans with estimates for repairs were prepared. A rich local man was appointed the treasurer and the whole work was entrusted to him. He was to keep regular accounts and be honest in all his dealings. He was a first-class miser and spent very little for the repairs, which consequently made very little progress. He spent all the funds, swallowed some amount himself and spent nothing from his pocket. He had a sweet tongue and was very clever in offering plausible explanations regarding the poor and tardy progress of the work. The people again went to him and said that, Unless he lent his helping hand and tried his best, the work would not be complete. They requested him to work out the scheme and again collected subscriptions and sent the amount to him. He received it but sat as quiet as before without making any progress. After some days, Mahadev appeared in his wife's dream and said to her, ''You get up, build the dome of the temple. I will give you a hundredfold of what you spend. She told this vision to her husband. He was afraid that it would involve him in expenses and therefore laughed at off saying that it was a mere dream, a thing not to be relied and acted upon or else why did not God appear to him in the dream and tell him about it? Was he far off from her? This looks like a bad dream having its object in the creation of ill-feeling between husband and wife. She had to remain quiet. God does not like big subscriptions and donations collected against the wishes of the donors, but he likes ever-trifling amounts given with love, devotion and gratitude. Some days after, God again appeared in her dream and said, Do not bother yourself about your husband and the collections with him. Don't press him to spend any money for the temple. What I want is Baba and devotion. So give if you like anything of your own. She consulted her husband about this vision and decided to give God her ornaments given by her father. The mice felt disconcerted and decided to cheat even God in this item. He undervalued the ornaments at rupees thousand and bought them himself in lieu of the amount given as a barren field to God, as endowment or security. The wife agreed to this. The field or land was not his own. It belonged to one poor woman named Dubaki, who mortgaged it to him for rupees 200. She was not able to redeem it for long. So the cunning miser cheated all his wife, Dubaki, and even God. The land was sterile, uncultivated and worth nothing and yielded nothing even in the best season. Thus ended this transaction and the land was given in the procession of the poor priest who was pleased with the endowment. Sometime later, strange things happened. There was terrific storm and heavy downpour. Lightning struck the house of the miser when he and his wife both died. Dumbaki also breathed her last. In the next life, the rich miser was born at Mathura in a Brahmin family and was named Virabhadrappa. His devote wife was born as the daughter of the priest of the temple and was named Gauri. The woman Dumaki, the mortgager, was born as a male in the family of the Gaurav or the attendant of the temple and was named Chenbasappa. The priest was a friend of mine. He often came to me, chatted and spoke with me. His daughter Gauri was also devoted to me. She was growing fast and her father was seeking a good husband for her. I told him not to worry about this as the bridegroom himself would come seeking her. Then there came a poor boy named Veerabadra wandering and begging his bread to the priest's house. With my consent, Gauri was given in marriage to him. He was also devoted to me initially as I recommended his marriage with Gauri, but later became my sir. Even in this new life, he was hankering after money and asked me to help him to get it as he was leading a married man's life. Strange things happened. There was a sudden rise in prices. By Gauri's good luck, There was a great demand for land, and the land was sold for 1 lakh of rupees, that is 100 times the worth of our ornaments. Half the amount was paid in cash, and the remaining was to be paid in 25 installments of rupees 2000 each. All agreed to this transaction, but began to quarrel over the money. They came to me for consultation. I told them that the property belonged to God and vested in the priest, and that Gauri was his sole heiress and proprietress, and no amount should be spent without her consent, and that her husband had no right whatsoever to the amount. On hearing my opinion, Veerabhadrappa was annoyed with me and said that I wanted to establish Gauri's claim and embezzle her property. On hearing his words, I remembered God and kept quiet. Veerabhadrapa scolded his wife and she came to me at noon and requested me not to, the, not to mind the words of others and not to discard her as she was my daughter. As she thus sought my protection, I gave her a pledge that I would cross seven seas to help her. Then that night Gauri had a vision. Mahadev appeared in a dream and said, the whole money is yours. Do not give anything to anybody, spend some amount for temple purposes and consultation with Chenbasappa and if you want to use it for some other purpose, consult Baba in the masjid. Gauri told me the vision and I gave her proper advice in the matter. I told her to take the principal or capital amount to herself, give half the amount of interest to Chenbasappa and that Veerabhatrappa had nothing to do in the matter. While I was thus talking, both Veera Badrappa and Chanba came there quarrelling. I tried my best to pacify them and told them of God's vision to Gauri. Veera Badrappa got wild and angry and threatened to kill Chenbasappa, cutting him to pieces. The latter was timid. He caught my feet and sought my refuge. I pledged myself to save him from the wrath of his foe. Then after some time Veerabhadrapa died and was born as a snake and Chanbasappa died and was born as a frog. On hearing the crocking of Chanbasappa and remembering my pledge, I came here, saved him and kept my word. God runs to his devotees for help in times of danger. He saved Chenbasappa by sending me here. All this is God's leela or sport the moral the moral of the story is that one has to reap what one sows and there is no escape unless one suffers and squares up one's old debts and dealings with others and that greed for money drags the greedy man to the lowest level and ultimately brings destruction for him and others bow to shri sai peace be to all Chapter 48 This Chapter is about Warding off Devotees Calamities Story of Shivade, Sapatneka At the commencement of this chapter, someone asked Hematban whether Sai Baba was a Guru or Sadguru. In order to answer the question, hematban describes the signs or marks of a Sadguru as follows Signs of a Sadguru He who teaches us Veda and Vedanta, or the six Shastras, or gives pleasing discourses regarding Brahma, he who gives mantras to the disciples and orders them to chant the same a certain number of times, but does not assure them any result in a definite time, he who by his lengthy gross knowledge explains beautifully the ultimate principle, But as himself got no experience or self-realization, is not a Sadguru. But he who by his discourse creates in us a distaste for enjoyments of this world and the next and gives us a taste of self-realization, who is well versed in both the theoretical and practical knowledge of self-realization, deserves to be called a Sadguru. How can he? who is himself devoid of self-realization, give it to the disciples. A Sadhguru does not, ever in his dream, expect any service or profit from his disciples. On the contrary, he wishes to serve them. He does not think that he is great and the disciples small. Not only he loves him as his son, but regards him as equal to himself or as Brahma. The main characteristics of a Sadguru is that he is the abode of peace. He is never restless nor ruffled. He has no pride of his learning. The poor and the rich, the small and the great are the same to him. Hemadban thinks that on account of the store or accumulation of merits in his past births, he has the good fortune of meeting and being blessed by such a Sadhguru as Sai Baba. Even in full youth, he hoarded nothing. He had no family, no friend, no home, nor any support. Since he was 18, his control of mind was perfect and extraordinary. He lived fearlessly in secluded places and always abided in his self. On seeing the pure attachment of his devotees, he always acted in their interests and hence he was in a way dependent on them. What experience he gave to his devotees while he was living in flesh, are felt even today after his Mahasamadhi by those who attach themselves to him. What the devotees have to do is this. They have to trim their heart lamp of faith and devotion and burn it Burn in it weeks of love. And when this is done, the flame of knowledge will be lit up and shine bright. Mere knowledge without love is dry. Nobody wants such knowledge. Without love, there is no contentment. So we should have unbroken and unbounded love. How can we praise love? Everything is insignificant before it without love our reading hearing and the study are of no avail in the wake of love come devotion dispassion, peace and liberation with all their treasures we do not get love for anything unless we feel earnestly about it so where there is real earning God manifests himself it includes love and it is the means of liberation. Now let us revert to the main story of this chapter. A man should go to a true saint with a pure mind or even otherwise and hold his feet. Ultimately, he is sure to be saved. This is illustrated by the following stories. Mr. Shivde Mr. Sapatnekar of Court was studying law. A co-student Mr. Shivade met him. Other fellow students also got together and compared notes of their study. It was found by the questions and answers among themselves that Mr. Shivade was the least prepared of all for the examination and therefore all the students derided him. But he said that though he was not prepared, he was sure to pass the examination as his Sai Baba was there to get him through it successfully. Mr. Sapatneka was surprised at this remark. He took Mr. Shivade aside and asked him, Who this Sai Baba is, whom he extols so high? He replied, There lives in a masjid in Shirdi, a fakir. He is a great Satpurish. There may be other saints, but this one is unique. Unless there is a great store of merits, on one's account, one can't see him. I fully believe in him and what he says will never be untrue. He has assured me that I will pass definitely next year and I am confident that I will get through the final examination by his grace." Mr. Sapatneka laughed at his friend's confidence and jeered at him and Baba. Later. When Shivade passed his exams successfully, it made Sapatnekar quite surprised. Sapatnekas Mr. Sapatnekar passed his examination, settled in court, and practiced as a pleader there. Ten years after this, that is in 1913, he lost his only son on account of a throat disease. This broke his heart. He sought relief by making a pilgrimage. Bandarpur, Gangapur and other holy places. He got no peace of mind. Then he read Vedanta which also did not help him. In the meanwhile he remembered Mr. Shivade's remarks and his faith in Baba and he thought that he too should go to Shiradi and see Baba. He went to Shiradi with his younger brother Pandit Rao and was much pleased to see Baba from a distance. When he went near and prostrated himself and placed a coconut before Baba with feeling of devotion, the latter at once cried out, get away. Sapatnekar hung down his head, moved back and sat aside. He wanted to consult somebody who would advise him how to proceed. Somebody mentioned Bala Shimpi's name. Sapatnekar saw him and sought his help. They bought Baba's photo and came with them to the masjid. Bala Shimpi took a photo in his hand, gave it to Baba, and asked him whose photo it was. Baba said that this photo was of the Yar, that is, the lover of him, pointing to Sapatneka. Saying this, Baba laughed, and all others joined. Bala asked Baba the significance of the laugh and beckoned Sapatneka to come forward and take Darshan. When Sapatneka began to prostrate himself, Baba again cried, Get out! Sapatneka did not know what to do then. They both joined their hands and sat before Baba, praying. Baba finally ordered Sapatneka to clear out immediately. Both were sad and dejected. As Baba's order had to be obeyed, Sapatneka left Shiridi with a heavy heart praying that he should be allowed to take darshan next time. Mrs. Sapatneka One year elapsed. Still his mind was not at peace. He went to Gangapur where he felt more restless. Then he went to Madagon for rest and finally decided to go to Kashi. Two days before starting, His wife got a vision. In her dream, she was going with a pitcher to Lakat. There, a fakir with a piece of cloth tied round his head, sitting at the foot of the neem tree, came closer to her and said, My dear lassie, why get exhausted for nothing? I get your pitcher filled with pure water. She was afraid of the fakir and hastened back with the empty pitcher. The Fakir followed her. At this, she was woke up and opened her eyes. She told his vision to her husband. They thought that this was an auspicious sign and they both left for Shiridi. When they reached the masjid, Baba was absent. He had gone to Lendi. They waited till his return. When he returned, she was surprised to see that the Fakir she saw in her vision exactly resembled Baba. She reverentially prostrated herself before Baba and sat down looking at him. On seeing her humility, Baba was much pleased and began to tell a story in his peculiar characteristic manner to a third party. He said, My arms, abdomen and waist have been paining for a long time. I took many medicines, the pains did not abate. I got sick of the medicines as they gave me no relief, but I am surprised to see now that all the pains have disappeared at once. Though no name was mentioned, it was the story of Mrs. Sapatneka herself. Her pains, as described by Baba, left her soon and she was happy. Then Mr. Sapatneka went ahead to take Darshan. He was again welcomed with the former get out. This time he was more penitent and persevering. He said that Baba's displeasure was due to his past deeds and resolved to make amends for the same. He determined to see Baba alone and asked his pardon for his past actions. He placed his head on Baba's feet and Baba placed his hand on him and Sapatnekar sat stroking Baba's leg. Then a shepherdess came and sat massaging Baba's back. Baba, in his characteristic way, began to tell the story of a banyan. He related the various Vishuddhis of all his life, including the death of his only son. Sapatnekar was surprised to see that the story which Baba related was his own and he wondered how Baba knew every detail of it. He came to understanding that he was omniscient and knew the hearts of all. When this thought crossed his mind, Baba still addressing the shepherdess and pointing to Sapatnekar said, This fellow blames me and charges me with the killing of his son. Do I kill people's children? Why does this fellow come to the masjid and cry? Now I will do this. I will again bring that very child back in his wife's womb. With these words, he placed his blessing hand on his head and comforted him saying, These feet are old and holy. You are carefree now. Place entire faith in me and you will soon get your object. Sapatneko was much moved with emotion. He bathed at Baba's feet with his tears and then returned to his residence. Then he made preparations for worship and Nivedya and came with his wife to the masjid. He offered all this to Baba and accepted Prasad from him. There was a crowd in the masjid and Sapatnika went there and saluted Baba again and again. On seeing heads clashing against heads, Baba said to sapatnika Oh, why do you prostrate yourself now and then? One namaskar offered with love and humility is enough. Then, Sapatnika witnessed that night, the Chavadi procession described earlier. In that procession, Baba looked like veritable Pandurang. At the parting next day, Sapatnika thought that he should first pay one rupee as Dakshina and if Baba asked again, instead of saying no, he should pay one more rupee, reserving with him sufficient amount as expenses for the journey. When he went to the masjid and offered one rupee, Baba asked for another as per his intention and when it was paid, Baba blessed him saying, Take the coconut, put it in your wife's OT and go away without the least anxiety. He did so and within a year, a son was born to him and with an infant of eight months, the couple came to Shirdi, placed him at Baba's feet, and prayed thus, O sainath we do not know how to repay your obligations. Therefore, we prostrate ourselves before you. Bless us, poor helpless fellows. Henceforth, let your holy feet be our sole refuge. Many thoughts and ideas trouble us in waking and dream states. So turn away our minds from them to your bhajan and bless us." The son was named Murlida. Two others Bhaskar and Dinkar were born afterwards. Sapatnika couple thus realized that Baba's words were never untrue and unfulfilled. Bow to Shri Sai, peace be to all.